This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. And you know what? When we say that confession, we say it, and sometimes it just becomes words. It's something that we do. You know, like you get up and brush your teeth, you really don't think about it. Sometimes you, the confession becomes like that. But today, in this teaching that I'm going to do, we're going to talk about you, what you actually believe. So um, I am continuing the series that Minister Stinson started a few weeks ago. Um, and she was, we're ministering to the family. She was ministering on the spirit. Minister Martin came behind, and he's ministering to the family, ministering to the soul. He's talking about um, uh, identifying the problem. So I'm going to pick up where Minister Martin left off. So still the same topic, ministering to the family, focusing on the soul. But now that we've identified the problem, it's no good just to have a problem sitting there. We have to have a solution, and we have to implement that solution. So I want to remind everybody... There are ways, if you have questions, that you can submit your questions anonymously. That information um, has been sent out. It's also on our website. It's also going to be put up through the live stream. So if you have questions, make sure you submit those questions. This is an opportunity for you to get those things, maybe that you don't, you're not clear about, to find out. And there will be a time when we actually address those questions. We'll come back and address those questions. Now, some of your questions may be addressed in the actual teaching. You'll, you'll hear the answers. And then some we may have to come back and get at a later date. But like I was saying, we, my folk, uh, purpose or my section of this, still dealing with the soul, but we're going to talk about implementing the solution. So the purpose of this teaching is the same one that Minister Martin had in his part. It's how to address the struggles and wrong thoughts and depression in marriage after the newness wears off, or things aren't what they thought, you, uh, thought what you thought they would be. It's how to handle uh, struggling with with what you consider a midlife crisis or feeling inadequate or you think you're missing out on something. It's also learning how to control thoughts and how to identify when you're being too hard on yourself and others. So, you know, when I was looking at that, I said, that seems like a lot of stuff to do. But let me tell you, when you really get into it, you're going to see that the solution is the same. So go over to Proverbs chapter 4, and this is going to be our foundational scripture for this teaching. So go over to Proverbs chapter 4. What you have to understand And what we have to understand, what we have to understand, what we have to believe is that God wants you to be successful. God does not want you to fail. God is not wanting you to be hurt. He doesn't want you in pain. He doesn't want you in um, struggling. None of those things God wants. So guess what? God wants you to have a solution so you don't deal with those things. He's not keeping it from you. He wants you to have the solution. He wants to wants you to the to apply the solution. So once we've identified that problem, once we've identified maybe there's some wrong thinking I had, maybe there are some expectations that I that are unrealistic. Maybe there are some past experiences that I'm holding on to, and it's causing me it's causing a problem in my life. God is not saying, okay, now that you know that problem, keep it. He's saying, no, there's a solution. Let me tell you the solution, and let me not only tell you how you that there is a solution, let me show you how to implement it in your life. Let me tell you how to take it. So let's go over to Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to start on verse 20, and we're going to read through verse 27. It says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. 
Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips. Put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. So when we look at this, the first thing that we're talking about here, we see it says, my son. So if you go back, go back to what I want you to do. If you, most of you are watching a lot, you're watching all the live streams. Go back to Wednesday night. This is that son, that father and son relationship, that father and child relationship. A father cares for his children. So he's coming at you and he said, my son, incline, attend to my words. So in order to have the solution and apply the solution, you're going to have to get the Word of God. Not only are you going to have to get the Word of God, you're going to have to implement the Word of God appropriately in your life. So to get the Word of God, it's just not like just coming in and, you know, um, here it is. Think of it as a prescription. So when you go to the doctor and you get a prescription, if you just take that prescription, and I know now sometimes we get a piece of paper, sometimes they just send it to your pharmacy online. You don't ever get to, You never go get the prescription. The doctor gave it to you. Everything you need to get better is in. You're going to use that to get uh, get better that prescription. But you get the prescription. You go to the doctor, but you don't do anything with the prescription. You don't go. You're like it's traffic. I don't feel like doing that. If I go to a pharmacy, I'm probably going to catch COVID. No, it's just like the word of God. You're going to have to do something to get it. So I'm going to attend to His words. So what does attend mean? It means pay attention. It means give heed. It means accept the information as true and respond to it. So it's not just I come in, I hear the word, I read the word, I listen to it, I put it on YouTube. But what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to pay attention. You know, like sometimes I'll be doing something around the house and I'll just put something on. And somebody will come in and they'll say, well, what did they say? And I'll say, I don't know. I just had it on for noise. That's not how we do the word of God. We pay attention to it. We give heed to it. You get the information. Here's the thing. when To accept something means that somebody gives it to it and you take it. You take it. So you accept it. You accept what the word is saying and you respond to it as it was true. You don't just take it and think of it as, oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. You know, people tell you things and you, you know their character and they say, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And you're like, no, nah, they never follow up. You took the information, but you just didn't respond to it as true. Somebody says, oh, yeah, I'm going to come to your house at 5 o'clock. And you know that they're always late. They get there at 6.30. So at 5 o'clock, you're sitting around the house chilling. You may not even be home. You might be at H-E-B because you don't accept that information as true. But when you attend to the word of God, you accept that information as true. Now, it says attend to and it says incline. So what you're going to do is you incline, you know, you think about it, that means to stretch out. It means to bend. Go towards the word of God. I'm not pulling away from, we, Minister Martin talked about this. You're not pulling away from the things of God. I'm pushing towards those things. I'm, what do they call it now? What's the term? I'm leaning in. I'm leaning into that. I'm like, this is what I'm going towards. So the solution that God has to our problems is not just naturally and physically hearing the word. What do I mean by naturally and physically? So physically, we hear with our ears. 
It's just not letting the sound, the vibration hit your eardrum and you saying, yes, I recognize that word, I recognize that voice. Uh, naturally means it's not taking my natural mind. Because what, what God is telling us is going to, um, our spirit is going to respond to it. So our natural mind is going to be there, but what we're going to have to do, and we're going to talk about this, we're going to, we're going to outline this and I'm going to pull these things apart. So when I say things and maybe it doesn't, maybe you like, that sounds good, but it's not enough information, believe me, I'm going to give you more information on these things. But I'm going to say them now and we're going to, going to dig deeper into them later. But the natural means I take this information and I'm processing it based on my natural self. What I've seen, what I've experienced, what, what I'm thinking, how it's going for me. So I'm not doing that with the Word of God. I'm letting the Holy Spirit reveal some things to me. So I can only implement the solution when I keep the Word of God in plain view at all times. So as believers... We need God all the time. There's not a time that we don't need him. We depend on him all the time. So therefore, his word must be in plain view at all times. What do I mean by plain view? There can't be a lot of clutter. There can't be a lot of excess. There can't be a lot of things that keep you from seeing the word of God. Because when that happens, you're not able to necessarily see it. So think about it. Let's go to that prescription. So let's say you actually get the prescription. And then you take it home and you put it in your drunk drawer. Now it's time to take the prescription, but you can't find it. You, you're going to get to it eventually, but you got to rummage around. you got to remember where it was. It's not in plain view. So we have to make sure that those things that distract us, those things that keep us from getting to the Word of God are out of our lives and out of our minds. So we have to keep the Word of God in plain view. We can't, in, in verse 21 it says, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart. It means keep it close. It means value the Word of God. I have to be vigilant about, about what I allow into my heart. And once again, these are things we're going to talk about. And when I talk about my heart, that means my intellect, my will, my emotion, my consciousness inside my head. Those things are my heart. Those are the things that are at the center of my decision making. So I have to make sure that I keep the word there. What you have to realize is what you allow in your heart will shape how you live. So what's in your heart is going to shape how you live. It says that right there. It says... Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So when you've got everything in your heart, when your heart, think about it like this. When your heart is a junk drawer, guess what? What is your life going to be? Because that's what's flowing out of it. So when you have the wisdom of God, you can keep to God's path without getting off the path, without getting into the mud. You know, you think about a path that you're walking down and Rain comes, it gets muddy. If it's dry, it's dusty. You know, there may be things that could hurt you on it because, you know, you stumble on something, all these different things. When you have the wisdom of God. Now, the wisdom of God is just not, and I'm going to keep saying it, it's just not knowing the word, coming in a service. It's not um, knowing where the scriptures are. It's not knowing the Hebrew and the Greek version of the word. That's good that you know those things. But not only do you have to have you have to know those things. You have to hear them. You have to understand them. You have to have godly understanding. And then you have to apply that. That's wisdom. So when I have the wisdom of God, I can, can walk down his path, what he's leading me in my life, and I can stay on that path. I can have good success. 
The problem when problems come up, I know how to go through those problems. I know how to stay on the path. I'm not falling all in the ditch. I'm not getting scraped up and all those kinds of things because I'm following him. I'm applying his wisdom. So in my teaching, there are three objectives that I want to talk about. First, we're going to talk about how to appropriately apply faith in the word of God in my life. Then I'm going to talk about how to create and maintain the atmosphere necessary in my life. Then we're going to talk about how to continue. Once you've got those things in place, how do you continue doing that? So it's three objectives. How to appropriately apply faith in the word of God in my life. And then how to create and maintain the proper atmosphere in my life. And then how to, attend, uh, how to continue. So what we're going to focus on this morning is how do I appropriately apply faith and the word of God in my life. So let's go back to the example of the prescription. So you get the, you're feeling bad. You go to the doctor. The doctor says, oh, this is what's wrong with you. So I'll, I'll use me for example. So once I had a sinus infection, I went to the doctor. He said, oh, you've got a sinus infection. So I'm going to give you this prescription. He told me when to take it, all these different things. And I said, okay. And he said, you should be feeling better by this day. Probably will be, but finish the prescription. And if you don't feel better after that, come back. He told me what to do, how to take it. So I didn't get all stressed out about going to pick up the prescription. I got the prescription. I went home. Now, if I went home and decided, like, I think I was supposed to take two a day, um, 12 hours between each, and take it with food. So the thing about it is I have to apply the prescription. I can't decide that. I know more than this doctor. I know more than the people that made this medicine. I'm gonna. He. I got ten pills here. I'm gonna. Get, I need to get well in three days because I really need to do something. So I'm just gonna take three. You know, take them like that. That's not what the word says. That's not what we do. But sometimes, as believers, we'll hear the word and we'll just say, "Well, that sounds like what I want to do. That's how I want to do it, God." So I heard what you said, but it's your word, God. So I'm not being disobedient. I am going to take your word, and I'm going to take your word on something that applies to a single person. Like, you know, I'm married, and I'm saying I'm married to an unbeliever. My spouse is unbelieving, unbelieving, but the word says be une- uh, do not be unequally yoked. Well, God, i got to get rid of that person, right? So, because that's what I'm feeling, right? But no, God is like, no, sit down. Listen. Listen. You apply the word where it goes. It just, you just, it's, God's not willy-nilly like that. He's organized. He's going to show you what you need to do. So in order to apply the word and properly apply it in your life, first thing you got to do is you got to look at what you believe. So Minister Martin said, your faith is not for your marriage, but your marriage needs faith, needs your faith. So for a lot of people, when they heard that, probably the first time they had heard that now if you're believing God to save your marriage guess what marriage is a choice the way marriage works the things that you do in marriage there's there are choices that you have to make so you're like yeah choices that have to be made you have to choose to love your spouse you have to choose to submit to God and submit to your spouse those are choices God does not overreach your choice so here you say, well, I'm choosing to do those things, but guess what? It's two people in marriage. So guess, if God is not going to overreach your choice, guess what? He's not going to overreach your spouse's choice. 
So now when you're believing that, you're like, well, I thought God was going to fix my marriage because I obeyed him. When you're believing that, guess what? You're believing the wrong thing. So now what happens is you're trying to use your faith for something that it doesn't work on. Because, and, you're, and you're acting on that because faith is the activity of what we believe. So here we are. You're standing there. You're believing God, that God is going to fix your marriage because God fixes marriage. And, and you're, you're acting on that. You're like, my, I ain't got to do nothing. I can talk crazy to him. I can talk crazy to her. I can stay out all night. I can do what I want to because God's going to fix my marriage. Because that's what you believe. And that's what you're acting on. So now you're like, well, what's going on, God? I thought you were going to fix this. And God's like, no. No, no, no. I need you to act. You, you need to act on what you need to believe. So then we say, well, I was trying to have faith for our marriage. No, you need to have faith in God. Because remember, faith is, is for salvation. So when you have faith for salvation, you start looking at things differently. You start looking at, what does salvation bring me? Salvation brings me redemption. Salvation places me in the body of Christ. It changes my relationship with God. Faith allows me, when I have faith, it means I'm perceiving something as real that may not be revealed to my senses. So I'm not necessarily looking right now. I'm looking at, I'm looking at God. I'm looking at what God says. I'm not looking at all these different things expecting them to change overnight because I love God. I'm looking at me and I'm saying, because I love God, I may see this thing, but I know that I love God and I know that he saved me, that I no longer have to walk after the counsel of this world. I can do something different. So guess what? I do something different because I have faith in that. So I was saying it early. If what you believe is out of line, is unscriptural, then that's what you're going to act on. And you're going to get the results of that, which is unscriptural. You're going, you're not going to get godly success. It's so and reap. If I sow to my flesh, if I sow to those things, then guess what? All I'm going to reap is a fleshly, a fleshly harvest. So I have to believe God. I've got to believe that his word is true. So when I see in the word that, like we were looking here, where was I? In Proverbs chapter 4. Um, it says, okay, verse 24, put away from thee forward, a forward mouth and perverse lips. Put far from me. For put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on. Let thy eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. When I read those things, I can say, well, God, I don't know if I can do those things. I'm not necessarily sure that, that I can keep you know, I got a big mouth. I'm always saying stuff that I shouldn't say, God. I've always done that. But you say that I can. You say the Holy Spirit empowers me. I believe that. So now guess what I can do? I can do those things because I believe it. So I believe his word is true. It may not be the word that I'm necessarily wanting, like that medicine. I did not want to necessarily take that medicine. It made me sleepy, and I felt kind of groggy. But guess what? I believed it was going to get me to the end that I needed to. So when I believe the word of God, I believe that his word is for me. His word, he, he's being good to me. God is gracious to us. So even though it may look a certain way, remember, I'm not looking at what I perceive with my senses. I'm holding on to what I believe in the word of God. So when that is the case, I act on those things. I don't act on, I don't obey what what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, those things. I obey the word of God. So let's go over to James chapter 2.
I know it seems like, wait a minute, this is the solution, but just, just hang on, just hang on. So James chapter 2, we're going to read verses 17 through 26. And there's a reason I'm reading all of these. All of this has a place in here. So um, James chapter 2, verses 17 through 26. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils believe also and tremble. Excuse me, the devils also believe and tremble. But would thou, O vain man, excuse me, would thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seeing thou now, seeing thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God ye see then how that the works that by works a man is justified and not by faith only likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had delivered the messengers and had sent them out another way For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So, we can say we believe a lot of things, but if we're not acting on what we believe, that's, that's dead. So, if you say you believe something and it's not backed up by deeds and actions of obedience, then it's inoperable. That means it's not operating. It has no power in your life. So, your actions... Your responses to other people, how you handle situations, the things you do should be based off of what you believe. should be based off the Word of God. It has to align with your faith. So if what you are doing, if how you are living does not align with your faith, you can see that there's a disconnect there. You can see that, yes, God tells me this is the way things should be. I should have a good marriage. But somehow... I say I love God, but somehow I don't have those things. See, there's a disconnect. This is going to sound really familiar to most of you. There's a disconnect between God's promises for his people and the way we actually live. So God has said some things to us. There are some things that he's promised. There are some things we see in his word, and we're like, well, God, you said, you know, I should have peace. You know, I should be able to do this. I should be able to affect my generation. I should be an influence in my home and an influence in my family. This should be happening because I'm your child and you said it would. But then you see, on the other hand, you see those promises. And not only do you see them in the Word, you see it happening in other people's lives around you. But you can't figure out why it's not happening in yours. It looks like, wait a minute, we're in the same place. We go to the same ministry. We've been there the same time. I've been there longer. you got all these things. And you're saying, I see what you're saying, God, but somehow it's not working in my life. So what's that disconnect? That disconnect means the way you live is not lining up with what God has said. That means that something going, is going on in how you believe, how you think. There's some things that you need to go in and maybe look around and say, is this really what God says? 
Like I was talking about believing, having faith to save your marriage. You may not say that, but you may act like you, you may act on that. You may never say it because you go to this ministry and we tell you that that's wrong and you don't, you're like, well, I'm not going to say that because it's wrong. But in your mind, you haven't challenged that. You haven't said, then what is faith for? Then what saves my marriage? If, if faith is not to save my marriage, what does save my marriage? You, you just said, I'm not going to say it anymore, so that means I don't believe it. No, it just means you're not vocalizing it, but you're still acting on it. So there's that disconnect because I act on what I believe. Good example here. If you watch the weather report and you hear it's going to rain, you take an umbrella with you. So you act on what you believe. If you watch something and I, if, you, if I'm talking, I say, ah, it looks like rain. You're like, this Castillo don't know nothing. You don't take an umbrella. Because you don't believe it. Same thing with the Word of God. If the Word of God says something, then you believe, and you believe it, then you act on it. So, somehow there's that disconnect. There's something missing. So, I have to make sure that what I actually, actually believe and act on is the Word of God. Not something else. It can't be from my past experiences. It can't be the the unrealistic expectations that I've set up because I've watched different movies. I've looked at different things. You know, here's one that I think a lot of people, a lot of people who've grown up in what we would call like families who are Christian families, stronger families, you know, you look at your parents. And you know what? Here's the thing. You don't know what your parents, you, you know what they taught you, you know what they showed you, but you don't necessarily know everything that went on. So what you do is you say, this is how my parents' marriage worked, based on the little that you saw of it. And you say, well, that's how marriage works. You didn't get God's expectation on it. You just said, well, this is what I saw. This is what I saw with my parents. This is what I saw with my aunts and my uncles. This is what I saw from the people at church. So here it is. But God is saying there's some things you're missing. So you're setting up this unrealistic expectation. Here's a good example of it. And this is so funny. Years and years ago, I think Tavia was really young. We were, I was on vacation with the Martins, and Sister Martin asked for something, and Minister Martin just gave her his wallet. And I'm going to tell you, it was a long time, I'll never forget that. And I was like, what? People just get, I said, that's what happens in marriage? They were like, no, settle down. He's like, calm down. But you know, in my mind, I'm like, wait a minute. I just saw him. He didn't like reach out and take nothing out. He just reached and gave, I said, whoa. Now, hey, I didn't hear that in the premarital class. I'm like, no, you're not, because that's not what it is. But that's that's something that we see, and we see people, and we think, wait, what, what, that's what it is. You know, we see all those things, and we don't necessarily know what God has to say. Not that that's not going to happen, but what you need to understand is what God says about it. What does God say about it? So I, I have to be conscious. I have to be aware. Being a believer, you're not going to be able to be lazy. If you are going to be, if you want to be lazy, you can be lazy because it's a choice. You're not, you're not just lazy. I don't care what you say. You are not lazy. You may, you may be a little, you know, you may react to things a little slower, but you're not lazy. You, you can get up, you can work. Lazy means I'm not going to work. I'm not going to do anything. But to be a believer, you're going to have to put in some work. Because let me tell you, the enemy is putting in the work. The enemy has a head start on you. So you're going to have to put in the work. You're going to have to do what you need to do to get to where you need to get to. You're going to have to be aware. You're going to have to be aware of what is going on. So a lot of us, 
we have our feelings, we have our emotions, we have our thoughts, and that will, that's what we think is going on. The situations around us, what's happening, how people are treating us, how we're, people treat, uh, how we're treating people, those things, okay, I know what's going on. I'm aware of all those things. And truly, those things are happening. How you feel, your emotions, your thoughts, those things are real, and they're not to be discounted. But just because they're there, it doesn't mean that they are the real problem. So even though your thoughts and your emotions are real, it doesn't mean it accurately reflects the truth. It's not indicative of the truth. So, and we have this a lot going on in our society. We believe, there are people who believe, I feel this way, so there it, this is how it is. Feelings change. So you may feel one way today, but tomorrow I don't feel that way. You know, like in marriage, you may wake up as a wife, you may wake up and say, I don't feel like being, I don't feel like a wife today. You know, I just, I just feel like, you know, I feel like a butterfly. I'm not a wife. You know, but, but that's the thing, you know, you get that, you get this, this is how I feel. I want to be free. I want to fly. No. You feel that way, and then when you get up and you see somebody kill a butterfly, you're like, I don't feel like a butterfly so much anymore. So, yeah, maybe that feeling, and that was a crazy little example, but you know what I mean. You have that feeling, and that feeling is there, but that's not reflective of the truth. It's not the truth. It's not the Word of God. Feelings change. Thoughts change. You know, your thoughts can change from second to second. You can be sitting here listening to me, and then all of a sudden I say something, and your thoughts can go somewhere totally different. And then you'll hear me say something else, and you'll come right back. So your thoughts that whole time are moving around. Your emotions that whole time are saying uh, are moving around. I may have said something funny, and you laugh, and then I say something you don't like, now you're mad. Those are emotions. Those are in and out, back and forth. So that, that's not truth. It's not lasting. Truth, God is truth. Truth doesn't change. Your emotions do. Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So we have to be aware of what's really going on. Like I said, the emotions, the thoughts, the situations, those things are real. But that's really not what's going on. So let's look at what's really going on. So um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to read verses 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So in this scripture, and actually we're going we're gonna to look at this a little today. We're going to look at it a little bit more later on in the teachings. So it's talking about that we don't necessarily, even though we're in this flesh, we're not warring against flesh. We're not, we're not what we're actually at, at battle against is not flesh. It's actually an internal thing. It's in your mind. So it talks about pulling down strongholds. A stronghold is something that's fortified. It's a fortress. That means it has been reinforced. It is um, solid. It is meant that things cannot get in and things cannot get out. So 
that stronghold keeps things in and it keeps things out. Things, things are in place. And it's not just like a small, you know, you think of like, a, for those of you, a ponytail holder. Ponytail holder, it, it's kind of, um, it's, it's weak. That's not a fortress. That's not a stronghold. Think of like um, a brick wall that goes down, that goes up and it goes down underground. And that, that, that's like a stronghold in your mind. In that stronghold, there are imaginations and there are high things that have exalted itself, themselves against the word of God. So, we talked about those, those um, imaginations, those high things, those arguments, those excuses, those justifications, those opinions that, you, that have higher position in your life than the Word of God. So, you've got to pull down the stronghold. And remember, the weapons of our warfare, they're mighty through God. Those things are going to be pulled down through the Word of God. And we're going to talk about that later on. So hold, that, hold, hold on to that. But they're going to be pulled down through God, by God. So now what happens is that stronghold is down. Now those other things become weaker. Because what you have to do is now you build your foundation on the Word of God. And those things that aren't of God no longer fit. So they really can't stand if you go after them. So what, are, what do I mean by that? So, you have to pull down any arguments, any excuses, any justifications, any opinions, any beliefs, anything that goes against the Word of God. So, let's say you say, I don't, I don't know, I don't have anything that goes against the Word of God. Okay, we'll see about that. So, let's say you're a wife and you say, you know, I love my husband, but I just don't really think I can submit to him because he doesn't really know the Word that much. I don't, I, I don't think he knows, knows the word like that. So, what did God say? Say it, wives, submit to your own husband. So guess what you just did? That excuse, that justification is higher than the word of God because that's what you act on. So as a husband, you say, I know the word says love my wife, but ooh, you don't know my wife is a busy body. She is a nagger. Ooh. So, I mean, I like her a whole lot, but I ain't loving her. I can't love her. You don't understand that attitude. Wait a minute, but what did God say? So now, that justification of why you can't obey, that's an imagination. That's, that, that is something that you exalted high above the word of God. So, here, here's another one. So, okay, husband and wife, all that. Okay, here, here's the thing. We looked at Abraham. Over in, um, in James. We're talking about Abraham and he was justified because of his faith. His faith produced works. He was able to go up, his only son, take his son. He was going to sacrifice his son there. Some parents, you can't sacrifice what God is telling you to sacrifice. Because I love my baby. I can't see my baby do that. I can't see my baby go through that. And God is saying, all I want you to do is let them do what I'm telling you. You know, they've made their choice. You take your hands off of it. But you're like, but i got to help, God. i got to help. And God's like, no, you don't. You're trying to be God. So you decided, but I have to make sure my child is okay because I'm the parent. And God is saying, you have to make sure your child is okay, but your grown child, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm using this in the example of a grown child who's doing what they're going to do. God is saying, just pray for them. Just pray for them. Be an example. Be a godly example. But get out of their business like that. And you're like, but i got to be in their business, God. And God says, 
so you're not going to obey me. That excuse, I got to take care of my child. I love my family. I put nothing, I don't love anything more than my family. And see, what happens is when you're looking at this, you're going to have to examine yourself. You're going to have to say, so, okay, so let's say we'll, we'll go back to the one about the wife or the, the family. I love my family. I have to do this for my family when God is saying don't do it. Well, say, well, God, I have to do that. And then ask yourself, why do you have to do it? Because if I don't do it, something bad is going to happen to my family. Why do I think, well, why do you think that? Do you think God can help them? Well, yeah, I think God can help Did you pray? Yeah, I pray. Do you think God doesn't answer prayer? Do you think you're stronger than God? So then you'll start, see, what happens is we'll just say these things and we'll say, but I'm praying for them and I'm doing this and God, what I'm doing is a godly thing. But are you doing it in disobedience or are you obeying God? If God tells you to do something, then do it. Don't go ahead with your own way because guess what? That is a high thing. You place your way above the word of God. You place your way above the instruction of God. And when you do that, guess what? You're going to get your results. And remember, there's no good thing in us. So you're wondering, wait a minute, where's that disconnect again? Why do I see that the word of God has power but not necessarily power in my life? Because there's a disconnect. Because you say you believe God, but you don't act on what you say you believe. So the word of God has to hold the highest place in my heart and in my mind. When I see those things, really, you're going to have because some of these things are going to be deeply embedded. They're going to be things that, you, that have been there since you were a child. It may not even be stuff you, you knew was there. You're going to have to question it. And you're going to have to question it by the word of God. And we're going to talk about that a little later on. So you have to pull down anything that's against the word of God. And the thing about it is you have to do it. God is going to give you the strength. He's going to give you the tools. He's going to give you the weapons. He's going to give you what you need, but you're going to have to do it. So if the word of God has the highest place in my life, it will be seen. So we, in, our, in, in the purpose of our teaching, we, we were talking about, you know, like depression, a midlife crisis, being too hard on yourself, you know, um, being a little unhappy in marriage because it's not what you expected. The newness is worn off. And you start having these feelings. You start having these thoughts. And you start having these emotions. And like I said, those thoughts and those emotions are real. But they're not necessarily thoughts and emotions that line up with what God has said. So what do I have to do? I have to believe God. So for example, if I believe that God loves me, not because of what I've done or who I am. There's no power in of myself that made him love me. He loved me when I didn't even know I, was, I had no strength. So if I believe that, when challenging times come up in my life, I act on that. I rely on that. I may be having a hard day. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to have a hard day. I'm going to have the hard day. But what's going to get me through the day to the next day is me relying on God and that he loves me. If I believe that God will never leave me or never forsake me, when I feel lonely, not when I'm lonely because I don't have to be lonely. I may just feel lonely. Remember, feelings change. When I feel lonely, I know God is with me. I may not see him. I may not hear him in my ears, but I believe he's with me so I can act on that. I don't have to get, I don't have to get deep in depression. I don't have to make choices like as a single woman. I don't have to feel like I have to have some kind of man because I'm lonely. No, God is always with me. He's never going to forsake me. So no matter how I'm feeling, I know pretty soon that's going to be over. I can believe God. 
God says I'm valuable. So I can believe that I'm valuable. I'm not going to devalue myself. I'm not going to let anybody else devalue me. I'm not going to put myself in abusive situations, whether that's physical or mental. Not only am I not going to put myself in abusive situations with other people, I'm not going to abuse myself. If I make a mistake, I'm not going to sit there and beat myself up about it. God tells us, if, if, if you fall short, come to me. I'll forgive you. Repent. I repent. I go and get back in God and I keep moving. I'm not going to, I'm valuable to God. If I believe that, I'm going to act that way. If I believe that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, then I won't allow anything. I won't allow my age. I won't allow my weight. I won't allow, and I have to say this, my God-given gender, the one that God assigned me before the world was framed, when he said this is going to be this person, I'm not going to allow anybody else to tell me that that's less than. Because God made me fearfully and wonderfully. Whatever it is, and whoever I am that God made me, I'm fine with that. There may be things that I can change, and if I want to change them, I can. But I believe that God made me. So I'm not, I'm not all upset. I'm not gaining my value based on this society, how I'm feeling about myself. You know, like, um, you know, we've been doing virtual stuff, and you had all these people who went out and had plastic surgery because they didn't like the way they looked on Zoom. Ask them if you can turn your camera off. That's a lot of work to change the way you look and now things are different. But see, that's it. If you don't believe if you don't believe you're fearfully and wonderfully made, you'll you'll get all out of sorts behind that. You'll let that get into your mind and then you'll act on that. I don't believe I look so good, so I need to do something else. I need to do something else. I don't feel good because this person said this. I'm too old or I'm too young, so I can't be what God has called me to be. No. But when you believe those things, you act on them. But if you believe, hey, you know I'm valuable to God. He loves me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I will act on those things. And, you know, acting on those things is not just putting on a T-shirt that says that. It's not just posting it on, on Facebook. It's actually, you, you never have to post it on Facebook, on Instagram. You don't have to make a TikTok video of it. You don't have to buy a T-shirt with that on there. You don't have to put it up in your wall. You can live like that. The way you live, when you, when you make decisions, it will be seen because you believe God. Your life will show that. So, to implement the solution, I have to apply faith in the Word of God properly. So, I just can't take the Word and say, this is in the Bible, so I'm going to do it. I have to look at it, and I have to find the Word of God. I have to get the counsel. I have to get understanding. I have to be patient, and I have to get the Word of God. Earlier, I talked about that stronghold, and that stronghold is fortified. So we got to get rid of those things that aren't of God, and I have to let the Word of God be embedded in me. It has to be deep inside my heart. It has to be the very core of who I am. It can't just be cute sayings. It can't just be a cute notebook with notes that I take during service. It can't just be things that you repeat to others. It has to be, like I said, it has to be the core of who you are. Notice I didn't say it has to be at the core. It has to be the core. It has to be who you are. Then it will become what you do. Your identity has to be derived from the Word of God. So when that happens, here's the thing. God's not going to change. His love for you is not going to change. What He's told you to be and how to be that 
is not going to change. So when situations, when circumstances come up, it's not going to change. Another person's actions, not going to change the truth, not going to change the word of God, so it's not going to change me. So I can go on. I can do what I need to do to, to, to accomplish what I need to accomplish. Go over really quick to Matthew chapter 7. This is going to be our last scripture for today. So, if the word of God is the core of who you are, then you've got to know the word. You've got to hear the word. And then you've got to obey the word. So, Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to read verses 24 through 27. It says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, is liken him, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So it's very important to understand. You can hear the word. What you hear is important, but what you obey, that can strengthen or destroy your life. So when the word goes forth, not only do I have to hear it, I have to hear it and I have to obey it. So that's where we're going to stop. We're going to pick up next week, continuation of this, because I'm out of time. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.